Welcome to RevSpot. I'm your host, Tanner Green, and each week we're going to be diving into the life and mind of HubSpot's premier players, the Solutions Partners. This podcast is specifically about hearing their experiences, opinions, and ideas about how RevOps and AI are shaping the future. If you're a Solutions Partner or working with one, you're in the right place. So tune in and learn about how they innovate and approach frameworks, processes, and automations in the HubSpot CRM in order to create the true RevOps flywheel. Okay, awesome. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We are really excited to have Mr. Jeremy Steinbring on the show with us. He is an absolute stud. Really cool story. I, I hope he talks a little bit about some of that background that we had the chance to to discuss a little bit ago when I just met when I met him. But um, Jeremy, give us a little intro. Tell us about yourself. Yeah, Tanner, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here and, and kind of share our story. So my name is Jeremy Steinbring. I'm the founder of Revonix, and we help fast growth companies with all things RevOps systems. So from Salesforce and HubSpot to the entire tech stack. We try to help you make sense of the complexity, which it's a very complex world that we live in. And so that's really where my team focuses on. But beyond that, you know, most of my experience has been with tech and tech startups. The last 10 years, I've held a myriad of roles from marketing and sales, implementation, product. And so I've kind of seen the, the entire go-to-market um, landscape, which has been really, really interesting um, throughout. Yeah, that is awesome. And you dab it a little bit of music. I'm gonna I'm gonna hint that a little bit. Give the listeners a a, a little tease there. You did dabble in music. That's yeah. Cool. Tell, you know, the, just tell us a little bit because people got to hear it. I think it's cool. Yeah. No, you 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 got the you got the LinkedIn approved intro. I'll give you the personal having a drink at the bar <laughs> intro. Now, yeah. um, so when I was in when I was in high school and even at a at a really young age, I learned how to play um, instruments by ear. So when I was like three, four years old, we had an upright, an old upright piano um, in our house that my parents inherited from a family member. And, you know, my parents walked in the door and they're like, is, is Jeremy playing piano? It actually sounded like a song, you know? And so ever since I, you know, through wow. growing up, I picked up uh, keys, uh, drums, guitar, vocals, and I ended up doing, I still do today, I do, um, I do gigging. I've been in bands, you know, all through school. So it's been kind of a big uh, piece of my life. Um, and actually, before I get into all the, the startup tech and, and RevOps stuff, I actually went to school for audio engineering. So I found, um, I found myself in LA working at Westlake Recording Studios, working with some pretty big names. Um, it wasn't really the life for me, you know, staying <laughs> up until 6 a.m. every night, taking care of the, the stars and, and their big pack of friends. It's not exactly ideal. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, you know, like babysitting? Yeah, I mean, it's essentially what it was. It was a big party that you know you got to pick up after. So, um, yeah, you know, but it was a, it was a great experience, and I think a lot of what I've learned about performing has helped me, you know, in in podcasts and interviews and conversations with people. So it it's definitely still something that I love to do for fun. Yeah. That is so cool. We've on the show we've had Chris Barnett, who is a professional soccer player, and now we've got a professional artist, producer, musician, all kinds of people in all kinds of realms. It's amazing. I love it. Yeah, so, um, yeah. so give us a little bit of how you got from that 
music production and going into marketing and then having all these jobs and then landing in the solutions partner space, becoming this HubSpot and Salesforce to um, kind of consultant and helping people get through this RevOps yeah. deal. How, do you, how did that come about? Man, it's been a long, windy road. Um, just because coming from, you know, when I was professionally trained and all the way to where I am now, you really have to meander through, through the forest to get there. But that's interesting about RevOps too, is I find that people that are in RevOps came, come from the most unique backgrounds. I, I met someone recently that was a 15 year baker. She owned a bakery and like just mm -hmm. jumped into RevOps. It's unbelievable how people find themselves in those roles. I think generally... You know, you have to have a lot of uh, personal um, soft skills in order to be really good at RevOps because outside of the technology and the process and all the, you know, the, you know, the, the down to brass tacks, like execution, a lot of it is building relationships and having conversations and understanding where people are coming from, being able mm -hmm. to present, um, you know, to a group of, of stakeholders and back up your ideas. And so there are a lot of transferable skills from from you know other departments and other types of roles and that's kind of how i found myself in revops you know i started i got my professional as my parents would say you know the non-musical the professional career at apple yep. um mm -hmm. and i had a friend that referred me um uh, to a company uh, that was a tech startup in arizona and i've been in startup ever since and so i started as an implementation and customer success manager helping customers get set up on the platform. And I just kind of bounced around between different roles. You know, once I got into tech and SaaS and, and fell in love with, you know, the culture and the, the fast paced, you know, uh, culture and, you know, the, for lack of better words, the, the hair on fire craziness sometimes that we experience, I'm just addicted to it. Um, I dabbled in several different roles. I moved into sales roles, eventually became a product manager, but I think, after being in all of those positions, I realized that I really love process. You know, I'm relatively OCD. You can't see now, but like everything's at kind of like a right angle on my desk. I'm one of those people. <laughs> and so it just, it kind of, it kind of just lent to, well, this is a great role where I can get my hands dirty, build processes, help people be more efficient. And I actually have experience in all of these departments. So if I'm chatting with someone who's maybe yeah. a sales VP, I know where they're coming from because I've sat in that role. Um, you know, from customer success, I know what people are experiencing. So it helps me kind of bring the whole pie together. Yeah, that's so interesting. It seems like, um, like a really good RevOps person like yourself, there's there's these two, It's it's this interesting dichotomy because you need to have this kind of process technological kind of left brained or one of the brains, I can't remember which side of the brain attitude and like mindset to think of how do we break this down into bits and pieces? How can we make this repeatable? How can we make it efficient? How can we do all of these things? But then all the at the same time have the right side of the brain or the left, I can't remember. I'm just going to butcher it, but what side, whatever side it is to have the, the creativity and the people skills and the soft skills and those things and those are learnable right you can you can definitely get better and improve those but kind of those that yin and yang of of where revops needs both to make it really successful is that yeah. kind of fair to assume is that well i mean absolutely because you have to be able to talk to people like i said we we're talking about transferable skills from other roles into it's like you have 
to be able to build relationships and build trust, while at the same time actually understanding how to execute, implement systems, you know, do all the technical stuff. And I, I mean, I always, I always say, and this is how we hire at Robonics, we hire for the soft skills and the people skills, because you can teach how to click buttons. That's the easy part, but you can't teach someone not, you know, how not to be an a-hole, which is really, if you want to boil it down, that's kind of what it is, you know? Um, and so it's really important to have a good mixture of both and to understand what you don't know. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, whether you see it on LinkedIn, um, you know, social blog posts, whatever, you know, a lot of folks, they come off of this, not kind of like this know-it-all type of, you know, personality where they have all the answers, they're the expert, but in the reality, RevOps is too big. There's too many systems. There's too many processes for everybody to know. And so what I've, what's really helped me along my career is saying, you know, I don't know, but we'll find out. We'll find out together and knowing what your resources are to go find the right answer. And I think those are the things that really make you successful in a role like this. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's so, that's so fascinating. I, I really love that approach. And so when, when you're using these skills, everything that you've learned in the past, you know, 10 odd years and, and so, and maybe even a little bit before that, what, what, how has that helped you in your company right now? And what sort of benefits do you see that giving to your clients currently um, and makes you unique as a solutions partner? Yeah. Well, I think for us, you know, we we're relatively small and boutique, but that's the way we like it. Um, mm -hmm. We don't want to be a super huge firm because we're not able to move as nimbly as, you know, um, smaller, more controlled firm. And with the use of some of our technology, obviously, you know, everyone is talking about AI and how we can improve efficiency. Well, we're doing it to ourselves too. You know, we want to have a small team that is as efficient as possible and, and kind of the things that we teach our customers to do, we're adopting ourselves so that we don't need a team of 50 people to do the work of 20 that has, you know, a, a fully functioning AI backed process that will help yeah. us through, through the system. And so I think going back to your initial question, like how has what I've learned helped me? Uh, really, everything comes down to communication. People make decisions based on feelings and emotions. And they back up those decisions with data, not the other way around. Mm. And so if you can't build that trust, if you can't have a conversation with someone and have them trust you, everything that you know is kind of secondary. You know, I could, this is why, and again, getting, um, going back to all the way in the beginning of my career at Apple, you know, if you go into an Apple store today, they're not going to say, hey, check out this computer. It's got, you know, X number of uh, megabytes storage <laughs> and terabyte. And what they ask you is, you know, you know, welcome to Apple. How are you going to use your computer? How is this going to enrich your life? What do you want to use it for? They inspire you to want to use the the tool versus selling you on all the features. And I think it's the exact same thing. I've taken that lesson that I learned very early on has definitely presented itself in every role I've had since. I know I'm jumping around a bit. You ever been in a car and like one of the old school, like pioneer car stereos i'm going to age myself a little bit here you know where they got like the little the little like images you had like an equalizer in the uh -huh. car and what's the first thing that everybody does they just push all of them up so that it can get louder right like the, yep. the low the mid the treble everything they just push it all up well the one of the biggest things that i learned in audio engineering is it's the removal of sound 
that actually creates space for others rather than putting everything to the the ceiling moving the treble down will actually accentuate the low end and it's i think about this a lot with systems because you know if, let's say you had a, a text stack of you know 30 40 tools it's not necessarily what new tools you need to buy it's what you need to take out mm. it's it's and that's what i think is missed you know when we have a problem we're always looking for the next thing but i think what people quickly realize is that the there's almost like too many cooks in the in the kitchen there's too much tech there's too much integration it's too complicated there's too much data that we're not using what can we remove from the tech stack and all of a sudden things become more clear um and i just mm -hmm. think that it's like a it's an easy trap to fall into um and just about everybody has so if you're there uh you're not alone yeah that is that is so interesting one of my favorite quotes of of all time is Antoine de de Saint Exupéry. I don't know how to say his last name. He's a <laughs> he's a French guy who wrote a book called The Airman's Odyssey. And the the quote that he said was perfection is achieved not when there is nothing more to add, but when there's nothing left to take away. And I I just really I try to live by that honestly. It's like my favorite quote is you know what else can we remove? what what's like the not like what's the minimum we can get by with but you know what makes this perfect and if we were to take something out of it it would be drastically affected for our business or for our life or whatever it is totally so, totally so on that note like when you're when you're adding new tools when you do add stuff or when you're kind of showing them things they can use or how they can how they can manipulate the CRM and we'll stick with HubSpot in, um, for this one, how, mm -hmm. how they can help their business by using these tools. What, how do you go about showing them these new things that they were like, Oh, you can use this. You can use this. Let's put it together like this. So walk me through that process. Yeah. So I think starting with technology, you end up in the problem I just described where you have a bloated tech stack. You have too much, um, inter too many integrations, you know, it affects your people. If you hire somebody new, they now have to learn 30 tools that they may yeah. have exposure to before. So it's not just like from a technical perspective of working, but the impacts of the business, I mean, outside of even financial, just the time lost is, is massive. Um, and so usually when we start engagements, we want to start with understanding the business and the business goals. I mean, and again, I know this is, this is pretty cliche, but you have to start there. You just have to, you know, and I think the way that you define RevOps, I actually just posted about this today. People still don't really have a clear definition of what RevOps is. You know, if you if you Google it, you'll find 30 different definitions because it's not set. But the way that I think about it is that RevOps is an idea. It's not a tangible thing. Hmm. It's more of a belief or a philosophy. And so, again, the, the Webster Dictionary version that I'm going to give you um, is it's marketing, sales, customer success, and product. And the belief that they should work together to drive revenue growth. Um, that's, that's essentially all it is. Hmm. The technology is how you execute on the plan, but you need the strategy first. Mm, and like that's that. where you got to start. And in order to get the strategy, you need to understand the business. You need to understand the problem, right? When we end up just putting technology into a tech stack or adopting a new technology, we're never usually solving. That's just how it is. That's not how it hmm. should be. And it's kind of like flossing, right? Like everyone knows they should do it, but nobody does. 
You know, it's it's we have to talk about. <laughs> Although the in I the will room. say, I will say the the electric pick, like the water one. Yeah, dude, I love those. I use that every day. It's like it significantly increased my like flossing count. <laughs> Anyways, Te- technology making life easier. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Uh. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of like that, and so you know general engagement we would do is we would try to talk to at least one stakeholder at all of those departments in the Mm. SaaS world product needs to be included it's not just sales ops it's not just marketing ops it's all of the departments that interact with your customer and most SaaS companies now product is kind of the first place the first thing that people see whether it be a free trial or a free tier account or them jumping on your website to understand what the tool is. I mean, in 2024, product is is hugely important. Um, but talking to all of those stakeholders, understanding the entire customer journey, what is the customer experience, and then finding gaps in the process first, and then solving those gaps and problems and those efficiency issues with technology at the end. And I think a lot of times people are like, you know, oh, I need a CRM, I'm going to go buy HubSpot or Salesforce or Pipedrive or you know, insert, you know. CRM, but mm-hmm. they haven't thought about what their process is, who's going to use it, what are the problems they're trying to solve for, what gaps do we have in our current process that need to be fixed. And I think a lot of people try, the easy thing is to just go throw money at it and buy a new tool. Um, the harder thing is to actually think critically about your business and figure out how to improve it before we get to the tech. And that's what we help them do first. Yeah, that is so amazing. I think that's so, so true. And it's all about the process, figuring out, you know, trust the process, right? And figure out what is the the actual step-by-step thing we need to do to make this a better experience for the customer. Like, that's really the, the ultimate question that you're asking at the end of the day, right? Yep, yep. Because I would venture to guess if you were to pull... 80% of every company, right? Like if you were HR or whatever operations, you were just going to pull your team. I guarantee you people are going to hate their systems. Mm-hmm. Technology is supposed to help make our job easier. And that's the biggest hell that you have a RevOps problem is that if people don't feel comfortable with their CRM, they don't like using the, that technology. It's because it's not adding value to their day which means it was not deployed in a way to solve their problem, which means we don't understand the customer journey and we didn't understand the business for who implemented it. And I would say that is by far the biggest piece of, of time and, and revenue or capital waste that I see from a RevOps perspective. And I see it on, in, almost every, in almost every company. So again, don't feel bad, but I think turning that around is really the value of RevOps and why it's catching on so much steam. You know, and it's become such a buzzword. It's really interesting because, like I said, tech has kind of gone through um, a wild shift through COVID. Everything, you know, grass was greener. Everything was great. Everyone had tons of money. Then the layoffs started happening. And so we're now kind of on our way back up where jobs are starting to, you know, pick back up job postings. They're, they're starting to invest. But rather than hiring the 50 salespeople or the, you know, the 50 people they let go, they want to try to supplement by making their current headcount more efficient. And I think it's been kind of a perfect storm. The, the, the COVID experience, AI and chat GPT, 
along with you know RevOps and, and systems and, a, and an idea of, of making your 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 go to market team more efficient has kind of adopted this new mindset of well you know it's really expensive to go hire fifty people. What if we were able to increase our efficiency or output with systems that obviously you don't need to pay medical insurance for? <laughs> I mean, for a lot of businesses, it's like listen, if I need to get rid of a tool, I don't have to provide a severance. And and I think that's where people are. People are scared to hire like they did before because they've they've just gone through this experience. And so we're seeing more of a supplementation of tools, tools that I mean I can't find a product that doesn't hasn't slapped AI you know in their domain or you know a product uh, you know online where they're like hey this is the new greatest thing. It's that it's that pain point of we don't want to hire people when machines can do the job just as efficiently. Um, and so I think. Again, but that's starting with technology. So it, mm -hmm. the idea when I start an engagement is to really try to educate them on what RevOps is to get buy-in to the idea from the C-suite. And that takes some massaging. I mean, this is a new idea. Yeah. And it's kind of like a, a leap of faith. You know, if I were to tell you, you could get a 10x return on a marketing campaign, you'd be throwing money at it left and right. <laughs> but if I 100%. were to say the same thing using RevOps, I don't know. People, people are uncomfortable with the idea and they don't quite understand how technology, how far it's come. Um, you know, and I'll give you an mm, example yeah. of a way that we use um, chat GPT right now, which is really helpful. So we use Otter to record meetings to get transcripts. And if you're not familiar with it, it sits on top of like your Zoom and it'll say who's talking. It'll take, you know, notes of everything that we've talked about. And then we have a prompt that we take that transcription and we put it with the prompt into ChatGPT and it creates action items. It creates key points that, you know, we want to stay engaged on phone calls. We don't want to be like hands down writing notes the entire time. So it allows us to focus on the conversation and we're using tools like that and systems like that that cost next to nothing to the output of those conversations are a lot more effective. You know, we're we're understanding what the key um, objectives are of engagements or the key problems that a customer is experiencing because we're relying on AI to help dig through all the information and all the cues that we So, but that's a new thing. You know, that's not something that everyone quite understands. So I think as people get more educated about what RevOps is, as they start seeing results, it'll be a lot easier for them to adopt the idea. But I would say that's probably the biggest hurdle, the biggest obstacle you know, people are kind of flirting with it, but they don't quite understand or are convinced that they're going to see the value. And so that's part of the discovery process, part of the initial conversation that we have with customers that they understand. Yeah, that's so good. I, I think that that's that simple thought process of I really like that phrase that, or the question you posed of if I were to tell you to put marketing, you know, marketing campaign 10x, you would do it in a heartbeat. but when you said RevOps, so like that question pops up and, and then people are start to doubt and they're like, ah, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So, well, in a way, in a way to kind of kick things off, we always try to look for quick wins, you know, cause this is, this is something where it might take six to 12 months to truly, to truly transform, you know, your business. I mean, re regardless of how big you are, if you have processes in place, it, it takes time, energy and training and resources to, to change it and to, you know, to fine tune it. One of the ways that we do this is we look at the, once we have the customer journey and the plan and understand the business, right? 
we take a look at the tech stack and we deconstruct the tools. You know, there's a lot of overlap. So like by simplifying and taking out software, you're immediately impacting the bottom line. Number one, that's not changing any processes. That's just kind of doing a tech stack audit, which is incredibly important like for a quick win. Um, But I think it's those quick wins that help customers see the value of RevOps, right? Because you can't pitch this idea and then it takes six months. Like somewhere along the line, you're going to lose them and they're going to lose that faith. You have a shorter rope to work with than you would in a traditional like marketing sense. What are your thoughts on AI, how it's playing a role in RevOps and in general? And um, what are some pitfalls that people should be aware of? Yeah. Well, we'll start with the fun stuff. (laughs) There are some really amazing tools that are being built that take advantage of AI. I think one of the things that I'm noticing um, in the market right now is roles like SDRs and BDRs, where there's a lot of manual output. Those things can, assuming that the system can be personalized, be relevant, and have a message that's, you know, specifically for the persona that you're, you're sharing your message with, those are actually becoming like virtual SDRs which companies can then kind of employ to replace that typical role. And then they, they rely on AEs um, or more established salespeople. And they just give them those tools to do the, like the, the grunt work, the processing for them. And then they build the relationships because they're the ones that's knowledgeable. They can give demos, talk to pricing, you know, benefits, features, all that stuff. So like I'm seeing a major shift in how, companies are building software leveraging AI and we're at the very early stages of that. So I think it's exciting that we'll be so much more efficient in the future. I think what is not so exciting is AI has become the new silver bullet. You know, it used to be cloud technology. It used to be, oh, it has an integration. If I integrate everything, everything will work seamlessly. Usually never the case. And so I think what's happening now is we're over-relying on the tech, on AI, uh, like ChatGPT to write all of our messages, write all of our emails, write all of our blog and social content. Um, I think Google recently announced that they're going to be um, changing their algorithm to better identify AI-generated content. So what do you think that's going to do to SEO? You know, we used to, it used to take time to do research, write an article, post it on like a publication, like Wall Street Journal, whatever. But now anyone with a computer for free can go build technology. You what is RevOps? Computer. You can do it on your phone. You know, right. You do it on your <laughs> phone and, and just post it to LinkedIn or post it to your WordPress site or whatever. And the problem is Google's sitting there going, well, man, we have just so much content. What's the most relevant thing to put in front of the searcher? And so they're trying to get ahead of this. And I'm concerned that we don't really understand how to best utilize AI yet. We're doing a lot of different things to kind of test the waters, but we don't really know where we're going to end up. And I'm I'm more so concerned with people adopting tools like that without understanding the process or the problem it solves. Yes, it's really cool. It's futuristic. Like everyone's talking about it. There are use cases where I think it's really helpful, but I I just think that in the moment, it's right now the next silver bullet that's just going to solve all of our problems, and so we need to adopt it. And I'm I'm. I think a lot of the issues that RevOps solves for with people, process, you know, the gaps in the customer journey, those don't need technology intervention. Those need 
thought leaders to come in and, and solve the problem and design a better workflow for customers. And I think we're just falling into the same trap with a new piece of technology. So there's the the optimistic point of view and the pessimistic point of view. And I'm somewhere smack dab in the middle. <laughs> that's where I live. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's a pretty safe bet, honestly, because sometimes when you get too involved and then delve, like I'm so into AI and I just look at all the new stuff all the time. I get really hyped. And then you kind of look at it and I'm like, ah, it's actually not that good, you know? Yeah. I, for for example, I saw I was messing around with the new Explorer GPT function in ChatGPT, and I saw this one that was like, "Oh, build a landing page or whatever." I was like, "Whoa, this is cool!" So I just told them what I wanted, and then it started building the HTML, and then gave me this link that I could go to it, and it would build it for me. And I was like, "This is so cool!" And I looked at it, and I was like, "This landing page sucks." Like, yeah, it sucks. I'm not. No one's gonna like this. No one's gonna enjoy it. Yeah. It's just. It has no visual appeal, like, and it's so funny because everyone can can hear the bull, the bull crap. Like, it's just it's human nature to see mm -hmm. and just look at it, and be like, "Nah, that's dumb." Or the blog, yep. or you know, some post on LinkedIn. You're like, "That's obviously ChatGPT." Like, I'm not even gonna read it. Or if I do read it, I'm yeah. like, "This isn't even good. This doesn't give me any value." It's all fluff. and so Surface it's all fluff, yep. exactly. And yep. so I think it's so funny the the way that that happens so so in your yeah. mind like people are testing the waters where do you see it kind of landing first so i mean the first thing and i kind of make the analogy it's like when computers were first invented you know like they used to be like uh, ai has been around for a long time <laughs> it's been around yeah. for years and in fact the biggest companies like google and meta they've been they've been using AI for a long time. But that was like back in the day when a computer took up, you know, a 12 by 12 room. I think what ChatGPT is doing and why we're at like the, the precipice of this new revolution and how we're using tools and thinking about AI is that it was like the invention of the personal home computer, mm -hmm. right? Like now, instead of it taking a 12 by 12 room, it's a box that, you know, sits in your computer, in your house that you can use for personal use. Now, you remember the first computers, it was like ones and zeros, like basic inputs that didn't even have a mouse. Like it was, it was very limited. I think that's where we are with AI. So I think where we go is honestly, I don't think anybody really knows, hmm. which is why, I mean, there are guesses, you know, people have ideas, but this is something that's like the invention of the internet. It's going to change the way we work. And I don't know that anyone really understands where it's going. I think also there are very few regulations. So like you get in the ethics of AI too. Like I know there's a lot of, we don't have to get into that today, but the, you yeah. know, there's not a lot of intervention in what AI can and cannot be used for either. You can't um, easily identify content or images created by AI. There are no, there are no rules. There's no guardrails. So I think, a lot of things are going to change, which is why I would start testing the waters with AI and use it for, you know, the, the busy work stuff that it works really, really well at now. But I'd be cautiously optimistic about investing a good portion of your, you know, your, your tech stack budget into specifically AI driven tools, just because we don't know what life is going to look like even a year from now, two years from now. And so to make those big tech stack decisions when most of the time it's not the technology at all that's causing the problems that you're feeling it just seems like a like a gamble that i wouldn't recommend
Um, that doesn't mean don't play with it. It doesn't yeah. mean like, you know, don't explore and see like the use case I was sharing with transcription and, you know, getting action items out of meetings. Like I wouldn't have known that had I not played around with it or started building RevOps uh, GPT for Bonix customers. Like those are things that I'm testing with. I would never, I would never say replace one of your tech stack tools with chat GPT and, you know, yeah. go for it. <laughs> You're uh -huh. going to have a bad time. What last pieces of advice would you give to any solutions partners, you know, maybe new people or somebody wanting to perfect their craft or maybe even a business that's looking to develop their RevOps in that case? What would you, what would you give to them? Yeah. I mean, I, listen, like AI, I think RevOps is here to stay. I think it will be table stakes for, for most companies going forward. So I think the sooner that you can adopt this idea that, Teams should not work in silos. They should be working together as one. As soon as you can adopt that, the better. Even if you don't make any systems changes, even if you don't have a CRO at, at, the, you know, at the table, I think having a meeting where you have representation from those four pillars in the same room to talk about the customer journey. I mean, most of the times, if not any business, we're in business for the customer, right? Like, we're here to serve the customer and the customer journey. I see way too much siloing going on. And mm -hmm. some of it in startup is because of the growth. Like we just grow so quickly. You get a big round of funding, you hire a hundred people, you know, over a year or two years. And before you know it, you have all these different silos within your business. But the the earlier that you can adopt kind of this, um, you know, this, uh, this fellowship, you know, of I'm thinking again, I'm super nerd thinking of um, uh, Lord of the Rings, but, like this fellowship of like each department and having those open discussions about what takes priority, where the resources need to go. I think like that's number one. That's where it needs to start. Um, I would, I would, and I know we've talked about this a bit. I would really be critical about when you're thinking about adopting a new tool, asking what problem it's solving and if it's a core problem. Be an advisor. Earn the trust, understand the business, start with the people, start with the customer, and it'll always lead you in the right direction down the line. That is incredible. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for being on the show. How can people go find you? I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I answer questions. So a lot of the people that I've met through through blogging, you know, podcasts like this, if you have a RevOps question, I'll give you some free advice. Uh, I just want to make sure everyone's getting the help they need. So feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thank you, Jeremy, so much. We, I can't wait for you guys to chat with him. He's an amazing guy. So reach out. He'll help you out. Thanks, Tanner. Great to be here. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the show. It means the world to me and these solutions partners I'm working with. If you want to learn more about them, all the details is in the podcast description. Go check it out. See you guys next time.